0: Hey church family, welcome back to the Deep In with Pastor Joby Martin podcast. I'm your host, Allie Parsons, and we have been in this series called Rescue Mission. Pastor Joby says it all the time. Once you're rescued, you become a part of the rescue team. And this whole series, we have been bringing on our partners and friends who are doing their part in our community and beyond as a part of the rescue team. And this week is no exception to that. We have some amazing guests on this week. We have Jen Pace from First Coast Women's Services right here in Jacksonville. And then we have Sean Osmond, who is a former 1120 tour moved to Texas, but teaches a course called Forgiven and Set Free to women to help them in their healing journeys from past abortions. This conversation is incredible. I do want to say that we cover some sensitive content when it comes to discussing abortion and the realities of that. So if you have little ears in the car or around the house listening, we just want to caution that this is some PG-13 content, so you may want to either save it for a different time or go to a different room, but the conversation is so important. We talk about um, the darkness of abortion, what abortion really is, um, what freedom looks like as you pursue Jesus and reconciling and healing from past abortions, and that freedom is possible with Jesus. And these women have a breadth of knowledge to speak from. I can't wait for you to hear the conversation. Here it is.
1: Welcome to Deepen with Pastor Joby
2: Martin. The Church of 1122 is a movement for all people to discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're praying this message helps you
0: deepen
1: your relationship with Him. Now let's dive in.
0: Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Deep End Podcast. We are so grateful that you're here, and we have a big conversation tonight, and um, this week, we talked about being rescued from condemnation, and... I just want to take a minute. Pastor Joe, Beef been my pastor for over 10 years. Started as my high school pastor. Ooh, that's how old um, I am. <laughs> I know.
1: I didn't have gray hair then.
0: No, you didn't. Um, but you still didn't have much hair.
1: No, it just grew south. <laughs>
0: um, but I just, you mentioned it tonight that, you know, it's the week before Christmas. And maybe some people walked in expecting You said a Christmas homily, which that made me laugh. Uh, And I don't know. I just, I appreciate you so much that you read the Bible and you say, we are not going to shy away. Even though the calendar says it's one week before Christmas, there are chains that need to be broken in this room. And we're going to talk about the hard stuff and get into it because that is what we're doing. We read the Bible and that's what Jesus tells us to do. And I just appreciate you and I'm grateful for the way you lead our church and our people into hard places because God shines his light in the dark places. And we saw it tonight as people came forward for prayer. It was unbelievably powerful. And uh, I'm just really grateful for you.
1: Well, you're very kind. And you all said very nice things last week when I wasn't here and I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> uh,
0: okay, yeah. so I want to introduce our guests. We have Sean um, who, Sean, you were an 1122-er. Are kind of still, but you live in Texas, you and your family, and um, you have an incredible story, and you use your story and your gifts to minister to women um, in Texas in jails, which I'm excited to talk about that. Um, and then we have Jen, who you work for First Coast Women's Services and have been in this space of advocating for women, educating on unplanned pregnancy. Mm-hmm all of that for a long time now right Ever 20 years I
3: graduated from college so
0: right yeah <laughs> in a minute yes <laughs> um so we are going to get into it tonight and talk about what the world says about pregnancy and what a baby is and what the enemy lies to us and our women and where we go from here and how we continue to walk in freedom and what God has for us there. But before we get too deep into it, um, Sean, can you just talk about how you got involved in First Coast Women's Services and then in the Forgiven and Set Free program? Sure. So I had had about a year of sobriety when we
2: moved from Texas to Jacksonville. And as part of my 12 steps, and just staying sober. One of the things that my sponsor encouraged me to do once I got planted here was to start to serve. And so a pastor at 1122, and I don't even know who that was now, sent me to First Coast Women's Services. And I wasn't exactly sure what that was, but I went and found out that it was a crisis pregnancy center and that there were different opportunities to serve there. And so that's how I got involved in forgiven and set free because as a volunteer for that organization you cannot if you have abortion in your past you have to go through that class before you can actually volunteer because of the nature of the of the work that you'll be doing so that's how
0: I got involved in it and Jen can you just give us a high level overview of what does first coast Women services what do they exist to do
3: So we empower women to make informed choices about their pregnancies. And so we have um, a lot of different services that we provide in order to strengthen a woman. um, 80% of the time, a woman will choose life if she has support of just one person. So we want to be that support system that she needs. You know, A lot of times if a woman has an unplanned pregnancy, she won't want to go to her family. She'll be afraid to go to even maybe her church. And so we provide supports to be able to to strengthen her. So we offer free pregnancy tests, free ultrasounds. We even serve men. So we know that he is a huge influence on her decision, whether she's going to choose life or not. So we have a men's ministry program and we have an earn while you learn program as well that helps to support her throughout the pregnancy all the way up to one year. So mm. it's a it's a wonderful ministry just to be able to, to be the church to her. You know, a lot of the women won't Want to go to a church right away, and so we provide. We are the church in in mm-hmm. the the local community, so it's it's a beautiful thing. How did you get involved with it? So it's uh it's a long story in a, in a weird kind of way. I started um, teaching accidents. And so I was uh, in, high schools? in high schools and in middle schools. Bold. And so I was, I was <laughs> like, the, I <laughs> was like the girl that you're like, okay, don't be like her kind of a girl. <laughs> so I had gotten sexually active as, as, you know, very early on. And so, um, I would go into the high schools and middle schools. One of the schools that we went to was St. Gerard campus and, um, St. Augustine. And so when I went to the centers there, um, and I saw the girls, it just reminded me of me before I knew Jesus. Mm. Um, and so it, um, it's where I really grew to love Pregnancy Resource Center and those ministries, and so I just wanted to be able to be, be the person that I needed when I was that that mm, in good. in need, and so that began me out along this road. Um, we moved back to Jacksonville. Um, we had moved away. We moved back to Jacksonville and I was in this two year period of just being involved in church ministry, but feeling like I was still like lost in a way that I, I wasn't really doing what God had called me to do. Yeah. You know, I was doing, going to church, going to Bible studies, being active, but just, I felt like I was missing it. So there was about a two year period where I was really praying and asking God, you know, what, what do you have for me? And so I, I, um, I ended up calling Carol back and and offering to give her some stuff to help bless the center. Um, And then through that period, I ended up running into Judy Weber, who's our CEO. Mm. And she just really encouraged me to start volunteering. And um, through that, I became the... I came an active volunteer at the Clay Center and um, ended up becoming the, the center director at the Northside. And so it's just really neat to be able to see what God's done. Um, even in small things, um, I had wanted to start working full time again. And um, the very first day that Joanne, my littlest, was in VPK was my first day at the Northside Center. So God's oh, yeah. just so providential in, in leading and guiding in his timing. So.
0: What I hear is careful if you start volunteering somewhere because yeah. you may end up. Having a calling there, That's right. um, so this week is all about condemnation, and we cast the wet the net wide. This is anything that the enemy uses to whisper that we're unfit for use. And you gave some really great definitions of condemnation. And tonight we're narrowing that focus a bit to what does that look like in through the lens of fighting for the unborn and caring for uh, women who have had abortions. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Pastor Joby, why is this conversation so important?
1: Well, this is a bit of like a crossroads between 10-10 life and then this series mm-hmm, that we're in, for sure. <clears throat> the rescued mission, and that Jesus came to rescue us, really from the lies of the enemy. And uh, like I said in the sermon, the enemy can't—he's defeated, he's defanged, he's de-weaponized; he's—it's finished. We're just waiting until like Revelation 20 and 21 when it, when it's all finalized, right? Mm-hmm. So in the meantime, he's got lures, he's got hooks. But if you're in Christ, you're his. But one of the lies, so he can't just like manifest himself and full frontal attack the believers as a whole. So he's got to do a dirty war campaign, which is why the Bible talks about the mind so much. It's why Paul in Romans 12 is gonna say, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the conform to the pattern of this world is this world's pattern is that of lies that the enemy is the accuser he takes the truth of God's word he twists it and we live in a crazy world right now where the the enemy has lied to the point where many many people first of all don't even know what a woman is can you even define it that's how ludicrous is that in this world and that that's not a baby in there and that the 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 ending of Innocent human life is termed healthcare. What are we even talking about? This is crazy town. Okay. So if you read Bonhoeffer, he's a German Christian pastor and most of the churches aren't doing anything about the Jews being hoarded into railroad cars and sent to concentration camps. In fact, there was evidence that they would just sing louder so that they couldn't hear the screams of the people on the way to concentration camps. We kind of live in a world right now where the church has been silent for way too long. But then the other thing that the enemy does that I want to be really careful about. So the moment we read, we, we laid out 1010 10 Life, and my, my. so one, Sean's husband is one of my buddies, man. Curtis is, I've known that dude forever. I love him. Even though they moved to Texas, I see him the same amount that I used to, because we have a standing dinner meeting every like six weeks or so. So. Okay. Anyway, so I know her story. She's been bold enough to share it, not only with their church this weekend, but okay. <clears throat> so sometimes what some churches have done is in their attack against the evil one in regards to this lie of abortion, man, there's a bunch of collateral damage to the women that bought into the lies of the abortionist. And so as we discuss this throughout the 1010 Live, particularly this weekend, I always want to have like this double barrel approach. I want to teach what the Bible says about life that every human being is created in the image of God <clears throat> from the moment of conception. Right. I mean, like if you look in the New Testament, the same word that was used for John the Baptist when he was in the womb and he let when Jesus came mm-hmm. There, when he was also in the womb, that same word is the word used for baby Jesus at Christmas in the cradle. Okay, same word. Right. So in the Bible, a baby's a baby. Yeah. Whether you're in here or out there, a baby's a baby. Okay, but, but I want to do that. And then simultaneously know that condemnation is a lie from the pit of hell. Right. And that, I mean, God's not done with you because you bought into that lie. Mm-hmm. Now it is a sin. We are wretched, but Jesus died for all of our sins. And, and our past does not define us any longer. And mm-hmm. so I just feel like it's my job to leverage the voice God's given me, the platform God's given me, the resources of this church to partner with First Coast Women's Services. And, I mean, isn't it like one in four women have it's abortions? Like I mean, you think That's
3: about yep. mm-hmm. wow. the number of
1: women in our church. And sometimes if just a guy in my position would just say it out loud yeah. and just show... Somebody that God has redeemed mm. and be like, that could be you. Because the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. Mm. And I think there's some hopeless people because they bought into the lie and they have a sick heart because the enemy's trying to define them right. by something that they did a long time ago. So, and again, I'm not downplaying it. I'm not saying it's okay. But what I am saying is I bet if I was in their situation and believed the same lies they believed, I don't know that I wouldn't make the same decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would need the grace of Jesus on the cross just like everybody else does. Yeah, and so... I'm a fighter, man. I think we're here to fight for the I love it. for the the women and the babies. Yeah, not either or.
3: Yeah, yes. Pastor Jimmy, oh, Yeah, <laughs> sorry. So you were talking about unfit when you were preaching tonight, and I I love that because when I was interviewing volunteers a lot during the start of the Northside Center, they would say that very thing. They would say, well, you know, I can't be a volunteer because I've had an abortion. Mm-hmm. Or they would say, well, I can't be a volunteer because I really was never that bad. Or they'd say, I can't be a volunteer because I'm too old. Or I can't be a volunteer because I'm too young. And so they would end up wanting to quit before they even started, you know, but knowing that call and that sense of of wanting to serve. And so I think that it's so important for you to be able to be a voice that you, that you are because, you know, there's women who, who feel unfit for many reasons,
2: and it could, and we all want to disqualify ourselves for different reasons. Mm,
0: that's
2: really good. Um, what I was going to say is that it for women who love Jesus, here in our head we know that we're forgiven mm-hmm. of all sin, mm-hmm. but there's something about the sin of abortion that the enemy uses to keep us in bondage. And I think it just feels when you look at abortion for what it is, it is allowing someone to murder your own child y'all, that's heavy. Mm -hmm. That's heavy. And so as a mother and a believer, when I look at that sin, I'm like, like, yeah, I get how you can forgive me for the lying Mm -hmm. and maybe even the addiction, Mm -hmm. but the murder of my own children, how is that possible? So the first thing that has to happen is it has to be confessed most women never ever even speak about their abortion. It's a secret that most women think that I'll take this to the grave. So the very first thing that has to happen, let's let's call it what it is, murder, and then let's ask for forgiveness, let's get this thing in the light. Mm-hmm. We get it in the light, then the power's gone, right? right? And then in the light, that's when Jesus can start to heal. My last class that I went through, one of my girls said that when she asked Jesus to, when she had asked Jesus to be her Lord and Savior, that she had asked him to forgive her of all sin. But when she specifically asked Jesus, Jesus, will you forgive me for my sin of abortion? She felt like the weight of all of the things that she had been carrying physically left her body. It's something in confessing that sin and then asking Jesus for forgiveness specifically, mm-hmm. there's power in that. Wow, that's so good.
1: Yeah, so let's get into a little theology of male and female. He created them, all right? So, yeah. I, and, so I've been doing this for 30 years. my 30th year on staff at a church, which is crazy. It seems to me, I've never been a woman. I've lived with one for 22 <laughs> years, and I'm raising one. So that's all I know. We'll pray for you. Mm. A lot of I've them got three girls. So. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> Swimming in the estuaries and sea. <clears throat> Man, there's two primary things in a woman. One is like we talked about this a couple weeks ago. One is this: um, you image God by being captivating. So in the same way, God is beautiful and lovely and worthy of worship. There's a part of what um, there's a part of what a godly woman images there, regardless of. How tall you are, what shape, it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? You've never been to a wedding seen a dirty bride. You know what I mean? Okay, she's all done up. Okay. And so one of the things, in my opinion, the enemy gets at is if he can get you to think you're dirty, then you will let people treat you that way. Okay, so that's one. The other one is the name Eve means mother of all living things. Adam gave her that name. She didn't have any babies yet, which means... It is not every single woman has kids. I get all that. But every single believing woman is given the spirit of, like, you're a mama to God's babies, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a bunch of women here at our church, and for whatever reason, they don't have babies or can't or whatever. But we need them to be mamas in this church to help us raise up one more generation. And so, what does the enemy go for currently in our situation as he's trying to take out women? It's those two things, Mm man. You're dirty and the one and one of the jobs you were ordained by God to have you have screwed that up all the way and therefore because of this you are now damaged goods and unfit for use mm-hmm. see that's the dirty war mind misinformation campaign I'm talking about
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know
1: mm-hmm. and that's why we got to stand on the truth of God's word
2: amen
0: there's so many layers to it and i and would it be true to say it's not it's not usually just an abortion that's happening. There's usually a lot of other things at play. So can either of you share what, when you, and every woman's story is different, but what are some of the other factors at play when you're walking with a woman who's considering an abortion or who is seeking healing from a past abortion? From my experience,
2: there's always addiction involved with women who have abortion in their past. Most women struggle with addiction if they have had past abortions and have never shared that Mm. or have not received healing. And that was my story. I feel like those abortions, those fueled my addiction because I couldn't figure out how to deal with that, the sadness, Mm. the grief. And especially after my daughter, the first time I saw her on a sonogram, that The level of sadness and grief and despair that happened was magnified because I saw in that sonogram, her little feet, fingers, her little toes, her face at 16 weeks, which is just about the time that I had aborted my, the first time I had an abortion was right around that time. That's like the weight of the world, just smashing down on you in that moment. And then the, the lie of the enemy, you're never going to be a good mother you murdered two of your children. How can you be a mother to this one? You don't deserve this child, right? That's always circulating. And one of the easiest ways to make that shut up is just have a drink, or two, or ten. And so I feel like um, addiction and abortion go hand in hand in lots of ways. Yeah, yeah. and
3: self harm as well. You know, there's many women that I've met who would punish themselves after having an abortion, and it's 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 sad to see. The, the long-term impacts because you you think well this is a short-term solution so there's going to be short-term consequences well it's a it's something that has implications in a person's life far-reaching mm-hmm. 20 30 40 years
2: if if there's not healing involved yeah and sometimes it's hard to make that connection right when you have an abortion when you're 15 16 years old but you're suffering from anxiety and depression and you're miserable mm-hmm. and struggling with alcohol when you're 40 like it's hard sometimes to make that connection, and the enemy loves that, because if we can keep this a secret, then we can keep fueling that addiction. Mm-hmm. We can keep fueling your depression. I can keep you right where I want you. Right.
1: And the statistics and the empirical data is not on the abortionist side, that is why it is so muted in our society. Mm-hmm. you know? Because nobody, it's pretty easy to look up the kind of stats that support exactly what you're talking about. But when you began to redefine things and call abortion women's health care and put on a full campaign that it's just normal, and then you hide that, man, you want to talk about the enemy winning. Mm. That's what he's doing. That's what I mean by the misinformation campaign in particular to – Abortion. You
0: know, when Roe v. Wade was overturned, I mean, social media just exploded. And um, I just had a lot of people that I am friends with on social media who were posting, you know, they were outraged and posting all of these things. And these are friends that, not like my believing church friends necessarily. And I just had this thought like, have you ever met a woman who's had an abortion? Because as I'm reading these posts about this is a woman's body, her body, her choice, I'm thinking about the girl I prayed for two weeks before who had an abortion two years ago and had never spoken it out loud. And that girl was broken. And I can tell you who wasn't for, wasn't really feeling my body, my choice was that girl who had the abortion. And and I, and so- I almost feel like we live in this culture that they're able to remove themselves, desensitize themselves from the things that you're talking about, what the realities of abortion, the collateral damage that's caused, and they see it at face value. But you go one level under the surface, you talk to any woman that's had an abortion, and there is some level of that collateral damage, And but but people just don't go there because it's just easier to not, to not go there.
1: Uh, the majority of people don't know what actually happens in an abortion. Right. Um, there are chemical and physical abortions. And if you just look at what happens, most people are like, do what? No, 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 no. That's not what happens. I thought like you take a pill and there's just a removal of a clump of cells. You're like, no, no, no. Actually, it just dehydrates the sac around the baby and then they starve to death in utero. Unless it's a little bit older, you know, like the time where most abortions happen, I mean, we are talking about brain function and fingers and toes. And listen, here's what's crazy. Even that, uh, very vulgar comic. What's his name? Bill Burr? Is that his name? Yeah. He gets it. Have you seen the bit? He's like, hey, yeah. it's very vulgar, but whatever. He's like, okay, he's just the worldest guy you've ever met in your life. And he goes, listen, I've never been, I've always been pro-choice because it's your body, but you're killing a baby. Mm-hmm. And he says, if I was at my house and I put some batter in a pan and put it in the oven and then my friend came over and just slung it out of the oven, I'd be like, why'd you destroy my cake? And he was like, that's not a cake. And he's like, but it was going to be. Okay, and everybody laughs. Mm-hmm. Okay, so right. that is a carnal, right. pagan, loves himself, super funny, comedian in our world. And people know intuitively that that is just true. Abortion is the ending of an innocent human life. I'm, you, we should all be against that.
2: Yeah, You know? I feel like sometimes that we have told ourselves the lie that abortion is just the removal of a clump of cells for so long that there are people that actually believe that. And even women that go through the post-abortion healing class, our very first chapter is called Relief and Denial. And we have to put it on the table. Hey, this is what this is. And mature, intelligent, well-meaning women Look at that, and they really do struggle with that that is the murder of a baby because that is a survival mechanism for them. Mm. If you tell yourself that what you did wasn't murder, you can live with it. But when you have to look at yourself and know what you did without Christ, mm. it's too much. It's too heavy. It's too big. And so you you tell yourself that lie. And then that lie spills over into our culture, into society. And then you just repeat the lie over and over. And then somehow that becomes true. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense. Mm-hmm.
3: And okay. an abortion really does need to be mentionable, you know, because there's, I was surprised when I started serving and I started meeting with the women in, in the rooms, how many women would say, you know what, I'm actually pro life, but I'm still considering an abortion. And that's something that really surprised me when I started serving was that a person could p- positionally, quote unquote, be pro life, but when she feels backed up into a corner, mm. you know, it all of a sudden becomes something that is, wow. that's tempting right? And, it's, and it goes along with the, the scriptures that Joby was preaching today, you know, that we do the things that we we don't want to do and the things that we don't want to do, we end up doing because temptation is strong in our lives. And so it's so important for us to be able to be approachable to the people that are that are next door to us, that are right beside us, because you know when they're struggling, we need to be able to be a safe place where they know that if they are struggling, that that we're not going to immediately judge them for, for considering it, mm-hmm. you know, where they can say it out loud what they're thinking about, so they can that we can be a safe place. So I think it's really important to just as a, a Christian body to be approachable, to be a, a listener, okay. to be a safe place to the people who are. Around us, because I feel like we would be surprised how many people in our congregations have had an abortion, have have struggled with the, that abortion, and so it's 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 a very hard thing. That was something that really shocked me.
0: Yeah, that's
3: great.
1: Yeah, that which led to Ten Ten Life, man. Yeah, is that I, I'm getting these arguments with these people. About being pro-life, and, and there are a lot of people, because it's so politicized, they're pro-life up to the point of birth, but we want to be pro-life from womb to tomb, so that's why we're invested with First Coast Women's Services and foster care and, you know, all kind, everything from conception to casket, man. We, we're, we're for all life, and the church needs to step up, and we are. Right.
0: Yeah, that was the biggest thing. When, when Roe v. Wade was overturned and everyone was celebrating, you said— We celebrate and it is time for the church to rise up and not only fight for the unborn, but care for women who have had abortions in their past so that they can also live the abundant life. We want babies to live an abundant life and women who are still carrying around these chains, these heavy chains. And I think
1: like the way Sean is, she has, you have a level of authority because of your experience to use some language that is. I mean, it's it's harsh, right? But it's true. It's for sure true. What I'm trying to do, which I agree with a thousand percent, but but what I'm trying to do is make sure that we teach what the Bible says about life, and be this shepherd to people that are broken, and right. you know what I mean. It's almost like if I can lovingly in this church, have a grace-filled soft place for you to fall down when you are poor in spirit and say, what a wretched man or woman am I? And then say, cool, can we get you into this forgiven and set free where they're going to hear for some people that have the authority to say, what I did in my life right. was murder and what you've done is murder and you need to repent of that. You know That's what
2: right. I mean? Debbie, I love that so much because here's where I think I'm going I'm to tread lightly here. But here's where I think a lot of well-meaning believers get this thing wrong. One of the chapters in the Forgiven and Set Free uh, curriculum is on anger. And there have been so many women that are so angry with the church and people Mm -hmm. that they perceive to be as Christians, because on the day that they had their abortion— They're outside, they're praying, which is beautiful and wonderful, great. They have signs, you know, God is for you, God loves you. But what those women see on those signs is judgment. Correct. Condemnation. You're no good. Like, they don't see God is love, God is for you. They see what the enemy wants them to see. And so... And I'm not saying that God can't use those individuals that are out picketing in the front of the abortion clinics because he can and he has. But what I'm saying as believers, we will never look more like Jesus than when we're hanging out at the back door Mm. for that woman that comes out of the clinic when she's in her most broken, desperate place. And that's when we're saying, can I pray for you? Mm. Do you know how much Jesus loves you? Really and that's where we need to be caring for these women, not on the front line. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, yes, we are. We are supposed to be sure. doing it on the front line, but let's, let's hang out in the back yeah, of the clinic. Hands. It is. It
0: is. So, yeah, and I love what you said about Sean. Yeah, she can speak with an authority because she has been there, and I can imagine you walking alongside women and them saying, no, you don't get it. Like, no, sis, I've been there. Correct. Like, I know exactly what you're going through. So,
1: like, when we talk to the men... I'll beat the crap sure. out of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for sure. I'm like, right. what are you doing, man? Listen, boys do what they want, men do what they should. Right. <laughs> you were created to be a protector. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like that's my role yeah. as the lead pastor of this church, you know? Mm-hmm. There's this pro- <clears throat> provision and protection, and I'm trying to corral the whole everybody, man. So if you think one day, Abortion might be on the table for you in the future. I want to teach the Bible in such a way where they're like, okay, I right. know what I think. I, I've got to think rightly about what Scripture says about this. But I want to use the kind of language that doesn't immediately ostracize someone. you know? Because what I've also seen is churches that are in the fight – and they'll use such political language, and I'm just telling you, man, it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Amen. It's not being up there going senseless the slaughter of the, earth. you know, yes. like you're like, whoa, 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 hold on. And you know what I, you know what I do honestly? Like I think about some women that I know who have had abortions, and think, how would I talk to them?
0: That's right. And
1: I try to just do that yeah. as I'm teaching the Bible.
0: Well, and you said tonight. God's not scolding you, He's actually offering you a warm blanket. That's right. And I I used that language praying for some women tonight because that is so powerful. Because it's just like you said, they look at the signs, they don't see God as good. They say, You are wrong, you are bad, you are guilty. And if we can just shift that perception that God is not up there judging and scolding and disappointed and upset, but he's actually saying, no, come here, under my wing, there is rest. Under my wing, there is safety and forgiveness and all of these things that when you think of being wrapped in a warm blanket, that is what you think of. Mm -hmm. That's so good.
3: And she who's forgiven much loves much. And then as she's restored and and free, she can go and help free others and Mm -hmm. bring healing to others. And so that's what I love about just... um, the scripture that says we're, we're, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony, mm-hmm. because that's what you did tonight, Sean. That's right. By providing your testimony, you you were able to bring healing to
2: women's lives by your okay. own testimony. That's right. Isn't that, so I read this somewhere, and I, I think that this lines up so much with my experience. And I don't, I, I, I want to quote whoever said it, but I don't know who it was, so I can't take credit. But it was something like, sometimes God permits the things he hates to accomplish the things that he loves. Mm-hmm. And I think, God, wow. maybe maybe you have used this whole abortion experience, something that was so dark and disgusting in my life, but now you're using that for your glory because I have had more conversations 100%. with women that don't know Jesus that have come to know him and have a relationship with him through sure. this abortion experience. For sure.
1: <laughs> well, that's what Joseph says at the end of Genesis because the way he gets there, you know, he's the he's the senior VP of Egypt, and God has positioned him in a place to save what will be the nation of Israel. Okay, and he says to his brothers, "What you intended for evil, God mm-hmm. intended for good." Now we usually mistranslate that and say, "What you intended for evil, God used for good." That's not what he says. That God intended it. And think about what they did: domestic violence, false imprisonment, uh, human trafficking. That's what happened to Joseph. Right. And he is giving credit to God for evil, that God is sovereign even over the evil means to his own good and glory.
0: I love it. Amen. So let's let's give God some credit with some testimony. Sean, can you tell us a little bit about your healing journey?
2: <laughs> Man. Like where do I get? <laughs> <laughs> well, the fact that I can sit here and talk about my abortions freely and do it and knowing that Jesus loves me and that I am forgiven, that for me is huge. Up until the time I went through forgiven and set free, I couldn't even say the word. Mm-hmm. I couldn't hear it. I couldn't say it. I couldn't think about it. And when I began serving, I really did think that God would use me more in recovery type of service. More of um, you know twelve step programs because I'm a recovering alcoholic. I've been sober for 14 years, and I thought, God, that feels good, you know, working with women in recovery. But his plan was for me to serve women in this post abortion healing ministry, and I didn't love that plan, <laughs> but I love him, and sure. so I'll go with that plan, and just going through this process, I have grown. Every single time I take a group of women through the study, I receive more healing, Mm. just more um, confirmation that yes, this is the study that is supposed to be your ministry, and yes, God loves you, and yes, you are forgiven and chosen and set apart, and this is the ministry I have for you, and it's, just, it's such a sweet time with the Lord to be able to just sit eyeball to eyeball with someone across the table who was just busted up, broken, and just give them the hope that, hey, listen, this is hard right now, but let me tell you, I'm on the other side of it, mm-hmm. and there is freedom if you'll just stick with this, mm-hmm. and you'll allow the Lord to heal all these mm-hmm. places in that hurt so bad. And I've received healing through watching others heal and then obviously seeing people get the healing they need is incredible.
0: That was the first thing I I in preparing for this podcast, I listened to uh, Jamie Ivey's podcast that you were on. And the first thing I noticed about you, and I was only listening, so I couldn't even see your body language or your (laughs) face. I was like, she speaks with such confidence. Mm -hmm. She is so free. Like you can just feel your freedom. And even when you talk about the really dark days and explaining the experiences that you went through you just still speak it with such confidence and it's just so beautiful because I do feel like women will hear it and think, okay, one day, mm-hmm. one day I will, I will speak like that. Mm-hmm. I will speak with confidence. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we're saying it every week, Pastor Joey. but you say it all the time. The best way to deepen your relationship with Jesus is to help someone else discover theirs. And that is exactly what you're saying in, in a way with mm-hmm. healing. The best way to continue healing is to help Walk alongside someone else and heal. Oh, it's so good, which and, is so good. And Jen, you can probably
2: attest to this too—that I know I never feel more connected to Christ than when I'm down in the mess with somebody, yeah, no right? Good. Just yeah, encouraging that's
1: them. <laughs> Whatever you've done for the least of these, you've done unto me. Oh, that's so good. But this is a beautiful picture of the gospel. You three here—I mean, different backgrounds, right? Like, yeah. yeah. Meeting you two, nobody would think, oh, for sure, alcoholic, abortion. I mean, (laughs) nobody. No, you're so put together. Nobody (laughs) would be like, sexually promiscuous. You know, nobody would do that because, look, right? Mm -hmm. And then you were in my youth group, so I know your past. You don't have – it's not that. Like, you're a church kid. kid. I know you're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. But married, young, beautiful kid, all that kind of stuff. And yet, here we are at the same table and – in regards to like the measurables right now, man, blessed like crazy, loving Jesus, living the ministry God has for you. Mm-hmm. So so that's what Christ has. That's the freedom mm-hmm. that you've been set free to walk in. The opposite of that is the lie of condemnation. To be like, right. well, she deserves it because she grew up in youth group and da-da-da-da-da, but you don't because that's the lie of the enemy. Mm-hmm. It's like you were saying that the volunteers say, I'm oh, unfit I'm for use." Yeah.
0: Them. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. I know. And and women need to hear that not only the ones who maybe have abortions in their past or are struggling with whatever it is, but the ones who, yeah, want to serve. And even what you said, like, no, I haven't I haven't had an abortion. I, I haven't walked this road. Like I couldn't walk with a woman. But no, we we rely on Jesus both right. on Compassion. if you're too bad or you're too good, right. we need Jesus to walk alongside it and find freedom. Um, Sean, I really want to hear about what you do in jails because okay. you have brought forgiven and set free into the jails what how did you get started with that and and how's that going it's going amazing
2: <laughs> but when i was in jacksonville i just kept getting this thought obviously from the lord that forgiven and set free needed to be taken into Either jails or prison. And so I started making phone calls trying to get connected here locally, and I just, I just never could make it work. And I thought, well, maybe that was just me. I've never been to jail. I don't know anything <laughs> about jail. Why would I be in jail doing forgiven and set free? But I really think the Lord put in my head that most of the women that are incarcerated are incarcerated because of their addictions. And Sean, your addiction was fueled by your past abortion. So what if it's the same for mm-hmm. them? And so, you know, I just kind of let that go and it didn't happen. And then when we moved back to Texas, Jamie Ivey invited me to uh, do jail ministry. And I was like, uh-oh. All right, Lord, we'll, we'll, just see. we'll just see how this all works out, right? But she invited me because she knew I was an alcoholic and that I had been in recovery for a long time. She was like, oh, I think you would be great working the steps with the girls. We'll bring you into jail. And I was like, okay, perfect. And it wasn't more than about four weeks after I was in jail, the topic of abortion when I was walking through the steps with these women kept popping up. And I was like, oh God, I see what you're doing here. Yeah. And so just went and spoke with wow. the chaplain and said, hey, there's this Bible study that I've been teaching for a really long time. What do you think about me bringing it in? He was like, yes and amen. I was like, really? And he was like, yep. And I started teaching it two weeks later. Wow.
1: Well, we are working currently in this tented Life of getting into the women's prisons and jails. So your vision from God will come to fruition <laughs> right. here in Jacksonville. That's amazing. Just took
0: it a longer than yeah. you thought. A had different a me- route. <laughs> I
1: literally had a meeting today about it. Oh wow! Um, so yeah, cool. for sure. Oh, I just
0: She's going to be back. That's incredible. And Jen, so First Coast Women Services, we have five centers right around Jacksonville. So can you just talk about the scope of what we're doing and what First Coast Women Services is doing around our city?
3: So we've been growing like crazy. So in during COVID, we learned that how important it was to be able to talk to someone right away and to be able to provide uh, services right away. So um, we started a call center in November, 2021, and we have registered nurses who are the ones who are fielding those calls. So they are wow. able to talk to a medical professional right away. And that helps them to understand that, hey, this isn't just a mom and pop clinic that we were the real deal. We are able to you know help her to understand why she needs an ultrasound. And so we're able to have those conversations right out there on the phone and then schedule her for the ultrasound right away. So then that way, when she comes in, she's like a lot more likely to, to show up for appointment because she realizes, hey, I need this ultrasound and she understands why it's important. So our show rate right- went up 80% when we started um, the call center. So that was just launched recently. We were able to sell our beach center and move right in uh, at Kernan and Beach, Mm -hmm. which is right by UNF and FSCJ. So we're able to reach out to the college age women. We're able to be right there in the center of where most of the the young 20 year olds are are at. So um, God's really just been blessing the ministry in in tremendous ways. And so um, he's been providing so many new volunteers from, Pastor Joe, be hyping up First <laughs> Coast Women's <laughs> Services, and so he's one of your number one fans. Yeah, and I mean, we need men
1: volunteers—that's yeah. absolutely right. Men, yes, we need you to step up and sit down and look at these, yeah. boys face to face and help them stand up and be a godly man.
3: So ninety-eight percent of the time, if the father sees the ultrasound with God her, it's because God made him that way. He made the Bible him. says mm-hmm. the Lord is
1: a warrior. The What's Lord is his name, crazy. and the man was created in his image. So regardless, no matter how jacked up the dude is, right. he is a warrior, and he mm. was put on this planet to provide and protect, especially his baby, Amen. you know? And he, you can't unwire that. That's right. That is the thumbprint of God mm. on that dude that needs to stand up and act like a man, that you nice. know?
3: Amazing, and there's so many men who haven't had a powerful father in their lives, who either had a father that wasn't present or didn't have a father at all. And so, what's what's so beautiful is to be able to see those guys. They came in thinking that they were just going to hang out in the lobby and like scroll the phone, and then they get you know pulled into the room, and then they realize that there's a a man who's willing to be a father to them, Mm. so that they can be a father to their child. You know, that's beautiful. It
0: is. Yeah, a picture of the gospel, Amen. obviously.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we're about the lie of the enemy. I can't tell you the number of uh, conversations I have on planes because I'm reformed in my soteriology, and I'm typically working <laughs> on a sermon. And so if you're sitting next to me on the plane, I'm like, so what do you do? And then they ask, they ask me what I do. And I'm like, I'm a pastor, so we got to talk about this. And if they don't want to talk about it, then they're you not the elect or it's not their time. And then I just watch, I just work on my sermon watch a movie. But they want to talk about it, that's fine. <clears throat> and the number of – one of the conversations always goes to is abortion. <gasps> It's like, what do you th- – you know, how can you believe that? And I'm like, are you kidding me, man? That God has wired us mm. this way. How in the world can you reject that? And particularly to the guys. And one of the things I'll say to them is, and I'm not a racist. And they're like, what? What does that have to do with anything? <laughs> I'm like, oh, you don't know, like, the origins of the abortion industry in our country? Mm. It literally— it
2: was, Most it was, people don't.
1: began by racists, and they believed in eugenics, and so they were trying to kill the babies of minorities so that they would not be a drain on our society.
2: And mm. where and are, then, are all the abortion clinics Correct.
1: Now? And then you look at people and go, so you're into that? They're like, no. I'm like, well, hold on. Do you, so you don't know where the abortion clinics right. are? You don't know what the majority of the abortions are? You— Do you realize what you are doing, Mm. you know, in the name of a woman's rights? You are, I mean, killing, Mm. literally funding the killing of minorities in our society. Mm. And they're like, no, that's not what I believe. Yeah, but it is your ethos because your logos and your pathos lined up. And so your ethos Mm. is, yeah, you are participating in Planned Parenthood's mission, which they started out to kill the weak.
2: 65 million. Um, since Roe versus Wade was passed, sixty five million babies aborted.
1: Right,
3: and so. then all the future generations from that yeah. as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh,
1: and and it is not equally distributed among all socioeconomic groups. Nope. It is targeted no. to certain groups, which you know you get a little death spiral. Yeah, society you feel
0: like they have no choice. <clears throat> they have no choice. Which inner. The church. The church. Mm-hmm. That's right. And ministries like yours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You mentioned something when you talked about the, the man realizing, you know, he had so much abuse in his past. So let's rewind from when a woman decides that she wants to get an abortion. What do you feel like are some of, like, where does it start? Because a woman doesn't just wake up one day and decide and, and, and say, I'm doing this, you know, like, this is what I had planned for my life. 10 years ago I knew I'd have this day you know it's not usually something they want or dream or necessarily desire and so where does it start do you think what what lies does the enemy use early on in their life or what experiences to this path towards where they land themselves feeling like I have no choice my back's against the wall I mean, usually it's a a
3: myriad of of reasons. So one of the things that we do when we take a woman into the room is we have these option boxes. So it has abortion, raising your child, and parenting. And it has reasons for and against each decision. And so those those cards inside of the little option boxes are created to help her to really to name the reason why she's considering the abortion because it, every woman is not considering abortion for the same reason. Right. Someone might be considering it because of school, someone might be considering it because she's in an abusive situation and she's she's scared. Mm-hmm. So there's there's many reasons and so it's important for us to create trust and to, to help her to open up to why she's considering that and then to when you when you voice the reason the power decreases right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. as she's able to to really process it through and we're able to help her to see the, the lie that's in her mind you know that you know so she might think well if i stay with him if i have this baby then that i'm forced to stay to stay with him so it's important for us to, to be able to unpack that with her and so that way she doesn't feel like her back's against mm-hmm. the wall yeah. you know because a lot of times she wants the baby she she wants the child and it's not that she wants to kill her child right. but she wants out of the situation yeah. so she's looking for an immediate an immediate fix mm. but the truth is that there's no there's where she is right there there's no going back either decision is going to be hard mm. parenting is going to be hard so i'm going to try to help her to see that parenting yes is going to be hard but it's going to be worth it mm. where abortion is going to be equally hard and it's going to have Lasting impacts, and so the lie of the enemy says, you know, oh, it's a quick fix, and I'm going to be, I'm going to be the same person that I was yesterday. And the truth is, you know, and we know that from Sean's testimony that we're we're more than just physical beings. Abortion is not just a physical act; we're beings that are emotional, spiritual, social. So you can have an abortion, and in, in physically you may be fine afterwards, but you're still going to be impacted emotionally, spiritually, socially. Mm-hmm. There's going to be so much impacts in your life. And so I think that's the lie of the enemy when it comes to sex outside of marriage and abortion because we try to say, oh, it's just physical, but it's not just physical. God didn't create us as just physical beings. He created us as much more than that.
0: That's so good. We have a lot of parents who listen to our podcast and they have kids, either young kids or teenagers. And is there anything that you could offer or encourage them with to help just, start a conversation with their kids around this topic of unplanned pregnancy and abortion and um, just to start giving their kids the tools to fight the lies of the enemy when they come, maybe in their future.
2: As soon as your children start asking you about where babies come from, that's when the conversation starts. You start talking about the life cycle of the baby in the womb. You start to share with them how babies get here, obviously age appropriate, but start talking about to your children about sex. Mm. I was raised, I learned all about sex through Planned Parenthood. So as a sexually active teenager from 15 Planned Parenthood is where I went to go get my condoms, where I went to go get my birth control, where I would go yearly to get tested for STDs, all the information and literature that they had. That's what I took home. That's how I learned because my parents decided that that was something that they just didn't want to have a conversation with me about. So just start the conversation and then make it an ongoing conversation. It's not a one and done. Right. Exactly. It's ongoing. and. You know, unfortunately, I have, because of my lack of knowing about all the things as far as my own sexuality, I have gone way the other way with my poor kids. <laughs> and they're just like, <laughs> Mom, too. please, oh, get Mom, it. this TMI is mom. so just too much. I'm like, I don't care. Um, but
3: well yeah. that and I'm willing to share my scars with my teenager. Mm-hmm. So when she has questions, I'm not coming from because looking at me, you don't think that I was a, a rotten teenager, mm-hmm. you know. So she thinks so if I if I have a temptation, oh, I'm terrible, you know. But but no, this is a temptation that is common to man. Mm-hmm. So so, good. so it's important for her to understand that this temptation is is very common and mm-hmm. so I have to be able to to tell her my scars so that way she can she can not make the same mistakes that I am. I think that sometimes parents will be reluctant to share with their kids about about sex, about abortion, because maybe they've made a mistake so they feel like, mm. again, I'm unqualified. I'm unfit to have this conversation with my kid because I wasn't perfect, and I don't want them to know mm. about me, but my kids don't love me less because I was... Mm. a a rotten teenager mm-hmm. they love me more because I'm willing to be transparent with her and honest with her She's you know teenager. my teenager you know and, and every kid is different but you know um you know when your kid is wanting to be to talk you know you know so she always wants to talk to me at night time <laughs> so if, because I'm trying to go to sleep or whatever <laughs> so you know sometimes it's just a matter of making a, a time and space that that they want to talk not that I want to talk right you
1: know, yeah, and you got I mean. a parent not towards behavior modification in the short term. Mm. So being a policeman is just not going to be very effective. Mm. Mm. You got a parent towards relationship because you want to be an influence in their life for their whole life, mm. even when they're grown and out of your house. You know. And a part of the way to think about it is, all right, if my kid got pregnant or got somebody pregnant, could they tell me? Mm-hmm. Because if you parent in such a way, where you train them to not tell you the truth because of whatever happens to them. We, li- we are living in a world increasingly in our in our government and government schools that are trying to move, remove the parent from the equation. And they will provide these services for your kids and without telling anybody. Yeah, right. So you have to think about, when I talk about the dirty war of the mind, that's some of the things we're talking about mm, these days. Sure. Did is. This is very different than when we were kids, man. Mm-hmm. This is very different. You can't get an aspirin at school without yeah. your parents, like, <laughs> right. signing a thing, okay? And now, it's crazy. So, you've got to be thinking about that. In the culture that we live in, you you got a parent towards relationship, right? You got to, I mean, if you want a really good example, look at the father in the prodigal son
0: mm.
1: parable. Yeah, that's good. He had, the kid had a very soft place to land when he came home and confessed his sin.
3: Mm-hmm. That's good, good. And, you know, teenagers are more likely to initiate sex because of a wanting to be in a relationship. Middle school students are more likely to engage in sex just out of a desire for um, curiosity. And so it's important as parents to make sure that you have the conversations early. Mm-hmm. You know, earlier than you think because they're really exposed to a lot more than we were, you know, because oh. of phones and things like that. So we have to be the ones to bring it up. We have to be the, the ones to address the elephant in the room. Um, there's a, a very corny Fred Rogers quote that says, whatever is mentionable is manageable. And so whether they're a kid or a teenager or, you know, an elementary school teen, uh, kid, it's important that we bring it up. So mm-hmm. I'm going to be the one to bring up to my son about pornography and the dangers of pornography. I'm not gonna be afraid to bring that up to him. Um, another thing that my husband and I do is we take our kids on dates. So we've got four kids and there's 12 months in the year. So <laughs> they get three dates a year. And so we have one-on-one time because we wanna to model to them how a father Treats his daughter Mm. You know how a man Should treat a woman We want to We want them to To model We want to model Those behaviors So that way they know How to treat the opposite sex And to honor the opposite sex Yeah that's
1: great And this is way down In the weeds But this is just some like Dad life hack advice Um uh, we had girls from our youth group that were babysitting our kids and sometimes our kids would start asking them questions and so we knew like it's getting kind of time and so I would initiate hey you want to talk about this no we want to talk about this and then one time we're sitting in a tree stand and literally I think part of the reason was we're going to be sitting there for three hours and we're not looking at each other because you got to like look out in the field and I go you want to talk about this and he goes "All right." and I thought oh no okay (laughs) Another option is a long car ride because you don't, exactly you can't ride you can't, you can't look at each other, That's you know. Right. And I'm telling you, looking at your dad talking about sex sure. is a weird thing. Okay, <laughs> so then, the Lord gave me this one. So instead of me just like rolling into, because think about how much I teach about this Song of Solomon series, all the sure. thing, and I just started with this. The Lord gave it to me. I don't know how or why He just did, and I go, so what do you think happens? <laughs> And then to do, he just started talking and talking and talking and talking and talking. And talking. You know what I mean? <laughs> Amazing. And it was, he got that there was like a gene swap, but they, gene anatomically, swap. That he was way up. But, so what I got to do, though, is start with like, yes, that, that's not exactly how that works. You know what I mean? Right. But it was great yeah, because he great. was doing the majority of the talking. And then I was just kind of filling it's in great. some of the gaps here so and there, good. which was, you know? Yeah. So.
0: it's so good. Just mm-hmm. some. Well, Sean and Jen, I mean, we just can't thank you enough for being here. I feel like we could talk for hours, honestly, but the work you're doing is so powerful and um, such gospel work and you are doing the work of the rescue team. And so how can we pray for the ministry that you're doing? What What is something that we can um, continue to just lift you guys up and support you and pray for you by?
3: If you can be praying for just the, the volunteers themselves, you know, we face spiritual attack. And so, sure. you know, just people's health and in their lives, you know, whenever we start to fight for life, the enemy does not like that That's at right. all. And so well, many of our volunteers will will face just weird things happening. And so that way they don't, when they start to face the fire, that they don't quit, that they don't, they don't give up because, you know, God's put them there in position positioned there, them there for a reason. And so they need
2: to- to
0: stay strong. Yeah, for sure. That's great.
2: And I think for um, for me, the prayer would be that the Lord would just continue to just push women into this mm-hmm. this forgiven and set free study. Uh, Jen was saying that they have five centers that have five available studies at any given time and that these women would just have the courage to just move forward and just take that step of obedience because their lives will forever be changed once they deal with this.
0: Pastor Joby, will you close us in prayer?
1: No, you're going to close us in prayer. (laughs) But I'm going to say some things to our people first. Uh, If you get pregnant, you let us know and we'll help. Amen. Like choose life, embrace life. It's from God and we will help. We will not condemn you. There are no accidental children. Amen. If you have had an abortion, get help. I think if you go to our website right now, there's a big banner right at the top, and it's First Coast Women's Services. So you don't have to even remember their website. Go to our website, Mm -hmm. coe22.com. Click the thing, and you can go through the Forgiven and Set Free. And we need lots and lots and lots of volunteers, men and women. Mm -hmm. And so one of the biggest Mm -hmm. things in the 1010 Life, it's going to take all of us to grab onto the oars and row for Mm -hmm. us to fight for life from womb to tomb. Mm -hmm. And so a big way that you could do that— is to volunteer with First Coast Women's Services. And I just want to thank y'all too, man. You guys We want to are thank hard. you.
3: Yes, You're thank a you. a huge champion for life. I cannot say how much we appreciate you and just being the voice that you are. We have so many uh, 1122 volunteers. I think almost all the current volunteers are from, from 1122. <laughs> Not surprising. So, so thank Not you for surprising. the recruitment. <laughs> and thank you for your support.
1: It's my pleasure. I'm glad I can. Will you all pray right. for
0: us? Yeah, let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I thank you for these two women. I thank you for the boldness and the confidence that they walk in, God, only because you have set them free and placed this calling and anointing on their life. I'm so grateful for their ministries um, and for their friendship to 1122. Lord, I pray for the volunteers that are involved with First Coast Women's Services. I pray rest for their souls. I pray protection for them and their families. I pray you would sustain them on the hard days um, when the path is. Is not linear, which it usually never is. God, would you just remind them that you are sovereign, that you are good, and that you are for life, and that they can continue fighting because you have already won the war? Um, and Lord, I pray that we would just continue to push, that you would give, continue to give Sean and uh, the women that she works with just the courage and the power and the boldness to continue taking small steps forward towards freedom. And Lord, we declare freedom over the women who have come forward and confessed abortions in their past. We declare that they are forgiven. We declare that um, your scars cover theirs and uh, we declare that they are set free in the name of Jesus. And I pray that they would be able to walk in that freedom. I pray they know that they're welcome at our church. We don't just say we're a movement for all people to say it, but Lord, you have called us to love all people and they are welcome as a part of our family. So if they're feeling alone, if they're feeling isolated if they're listening to this and they've never spoken out loud that they have shame and guilt and condemnation that just whispers and eats at them and weighs on them like a heavy chain god would they know that they have a church family that is saying come on let us share in your pain let us share in your hurt and let us walk together towards the path of freedom that jesus has laid before before you we love you we're so grateful for what you've done the work on the cross and we're grateful for our salvation it's in your great name we pray amen 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 Amen.